Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. I, uh, I want to mention something uh, this morning, just go ahead and, and highlight it, something that we've been uh, talking about, but maybe something that, that falls through the cracks. Uh, maybe you've seen us talk about our Hilliard Back to School Fair, and I want to let you know that that is coming up uh, in, in just a couple of weeks, and I, I don't say this uh, to, to sound political or opportunistic, uh, I'm not going for shock value, but uh, this is an event that we do uh, because we want to be pro-life, and here is what I mean by that. We want to love people. Uh, We want to value life. We want to value the unborn. We want to value every ethnicity and all genders at every age. And so uh, that can look a lot of different ways as we are called as a church to love our world. Uh, But this week and this month, uh, it's this simple. We want to love families and provide for families uh, who maybe wouldn't be able to afford their school supplies uh, as school ramps up here in a couple of weeks. And so uh, some of us have been gone and traveling in and out uh, this summer. In fact, I was on vacation a couple weeks ago. And uh, this last week uh, at staff meeting, we were talking about the back to school drive. And uh, uh, someone said like, oh yeah, I think maybe a lot of people haven't bought their stuff yet, but we all have. And I tried to not make eye contact with anyone in the room because I was like, uh, I was on vacation. And so uh, literally in that moment, I was like, what's that link again, guys? Uh, I pulled it out and, uh, and bought all the markers on that list out of guilt, right? Uh, and so I want to I just bring this before us. We have over 200 uh, children signed up that are in area schools, and we want to have a chance to love them. And so I want to just point your attention to this. I, I would love for you, I, we say this sometimes, I think people think we're like joking. I'd love for you to pull your phone out and do that. I'm not, I don't want to manipulate anyone. I don't want to make you do something, but my guess is you can put your camera on that. You've got the Amazon app on your phone and you could, you could buy something and, and find a way to, to love some people in our community pretty quick. Uh, so feel free to do that. You can also scan the QR code in front of you. It's like the top of all the links. Uh, we, are, we are very serious about this. We want our community to know us uh, we want them to see the way that we're trying to, to be obvious with our love. And, and so we think that this is just a very tangible way uh, that we can buy school supplies for families, for kids in the community, uh, and, and help them have a great start to the school year. So if I see you on your phone during the message, I will just assume you're a really spiritual person who's buying that entire list, no judgment at all, and we will just nod at each other and be like, bless you, or something like that, all right? Something, something very churchy. I don't know what we'll do. So uh, anyway, I want to I keep us going here. Uh, we're, we're still in our series in the book of James. Uh, we're calling this counterfeit Christianity, uh, and the book of James kind of centers around this concept. Christianity that has been reduced to merely believing uh, is not really Christianity at all. We, we've been saying all summer and for weeks that this main theme that James teaches us our faith must have action. I love this line when we say uh, that our lips and our life should be preaching the same message. And so we've been looking at this book and, and looking at the fact that when Jesus changes our life, it should change our speech and our actions and our behavior and our thinking and everything. And so we want to uh, dive into another passage in James today. We're going to be in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Maybe you've got a, a Bible under your chair there. It's on page 736. James 4, 13 to 17. 
And I will, uh, I'll read this. You can follow along and uh, we'll see what God wants to teach us today. It says this, James chapter four, verse 13 on page 736. It says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I love the way that this passage starts because uh, as I was studying this week, uh, basically the first couple words of this passage are like the, the ancient biblical equivalent of like, hey, listen up, right? This is, a, this is a, a phrase that's used when you basically want to say to people, listen, don't miss this part. So it translates for us, look here, that might not sound too emotional, But James is saying, listen, please don't miss this. I know we've been talking about behavior. I know we've been talking about living out our faith. I know there's been a lot of things to catch and to apply for the original audience he was writing this book to and for us, but he's saying, you cannot miss this. He says, look here, and then this is what he gets into. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. This passage was written to itinerant merchants who were in some ways kind of like the the rags to riches business people of their day. These merchants would travel around and, and basically they were depending on their own hard work. They were depending on their internal motor as the cure to their poverty and their low social status. And no matter what they would do, they would find a way to make money, to turn a profit with their hard work. And most of us in the room, I assume, aren't Middle Eastern merchants from 2,000 years ago. If so, you've been pretty healthy and been able to live a while. But I I think this this same mindset, this same passage kind of applies to us because we want to prove ourselves by our hustle, right? We want to prove to people that we're good enough and, and smart enough and that we can make things work. We use phrases like rise and grind, right? In fact, uh, a modern philosopher of ours once said, started from the bottom, now we hear, right? These are, these are things that we say because we want people to know that, yeah, we started here, but we had hard work and we had hustle and we had grind and we proved ourselves and we made ourselves and look at us. James is talking to people that struggle with the same thing. That's not bad to have goals. It's not bad to have ambition. It's not the end of the world if you've got some drive, But James is saying that we should have Jesus-centered drive and Jesus-centered goals and Jesus-centered ambition, and that's not always the case. But Jesus should be at the center of our plans. That's what James is driving home right here. And maybe you're asking, how can we know if we have Jesus-centered plans? I made plans for lunch, and now I'm wondering if they're a sin. Should I, should I not go to lunch with my friends? Or how can we know if our, our ambition and our drive reflects the heart of Jesus? Well, here's some things that you can ask yourself. James says, if we think we're in control, we're probably in dangerous territory. If we think we're in control, if we think we control the journey or the destination, we're probably going about life and planning all wrong. See, he's, he's alluding to the fact that as we live life, we'll, we'll be tempted to think like, all right, I'm in control of today. 
and I control tomorrow. And I can control people and I can control situations and I control success and I control profit. And I don't want to rain on anyone's parade or upend your business strategy. But James is reminding us that we work and we respond to God and God uses us. But James is making it very clear, you and I as humans, as people, we are not in control of the events that happen in this world. We are not in control of our own success. We are not in control of today or tomorrow or life or death. We like to think we are. We tell ourselves we are. We operate as if we are. We're not in control. So if you want to ask yourself, how do I know my plans are Jesus-centered? What's your, what's your inspiration? What or who is your inspiration? Who gets the glory if you succeed? If the plans you're running after are successful, who are they going to point to? I once heard it said that when we live self-centered lives, when we make plans and when we think we're in control... We might think we're walking with Jesus, but many of us are living what's called a a practical atheist life. We're ignoring that God is in control. We're ignoring that God has any role in our life, and we're acting as if we control everything and practically living as if God doesn't exist. Maybe you're asking yourself, why, why should Jesus be at the center of my plans? I mean, I, I know that's a good Sunday school answer, but practically, why would Jesus be at the center of my plans? Well, we'll get into this in a little bit here, but simply put, it's because you're compelled by his love, because you understand his sacrifice for you, and you're living to run after him and follow him. If you put yourself at the center of your plans... If you put yourself at the center of the activities that fill your life, you'll always be let down. You'll find that you won't ever feel real success. You'll find that you're left unfulfilled. So Jesus should be at the center of our plans. But how do we do that day to day? Verse 15 says this, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Well, now is probably as good a time as any to to point out the fact that this entire passage is pointing back to verse 7. So maybe if you've got a Bible open there, go ahead and read verse 7. This passage is built on this concept we talked about last week, and it's assuming that we remember it and that we know it. And and so verse 7 just simply says this, humble yourself before God. James is reminding us of that foundation, building on that foundation. Why would someone want to humble themselves before God? Because we were created in the image of God to glorify God, to be in relationship with God, and yet we we fail at that. In some way, we turn our backs on God. We think we know better than God. We pursue our own way, and pursuing our own way is sin. And so we live ourselves trying to replace that void that's left when God is not in our lives. We try to fill our lives with things that will make us happy, things that will make us successful, and we're lost and we're empty. And all of us, whether we know it and are ready to admit it or not, are walking toward death. We're walking away from God. 
But God didn't want us to walk toward death. God didn't want us to be separated from him. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, who gave his life and sacrificed his life on the cross. And when Jesus gave his life for us, it paid the penalty for our sin. It paid the penalty of the things we do when we're walking toward death. And by the grace of God, we are able to claim the righteousness of Jesus. We're able to identify with the sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross. And by the grace of God, we can know him and we can have relationship with him and we can be made whole. And so when this verse says, humble yourself before God, that just means admitting that you're not perfect, admitting that you're not whole, admitting that everything is not great and admitting that you need Jesus. And in admitting that you need Jesus and running to him, you can restore your relationship with God. But trusting in Jesus is the key to that. And when you trust in Jesus, it's not just a get out of jail free card. It's not just something that you're doing because it's what everyone else was doing. It's what your family does. You're saying, Jesus, I trust you. And I don't just trust you now. I trust you for the rest of my life. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my money. I trust you with my relationships. I'm giving you my platform. I'm giving you my life. And I'm following you completely. I'm surrendering to you completely. I'm humbling myself before you completely. I am all yours, Jesus. And when you humble yourself before God, when you surrender your life to Jesus, it's not just the get out of jail free card. You're being set and sent out on a mission. And so when James says, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that, he's saying as we walk with Jesus, as we put Jesus at the center of our plans and the center of our lives, we will have confidence at where he is leading us because we're walking with him. And we will have confidence that we are right where God wants us. And we will have confidence that he is in control. We've already said that sometimes we struggle with trying to be in control ourselves and there are people who boast about their control. There are people who boast about their achievements. There are people who boast about Top Golf. You just got to see a little marriage therapy there, I think, right? That's fine. But there are things that we boast about. There are things that we want to give ourselves credit for. And James is saying, listen, if you're trusting your own plans, you're boasting in yourself. And if you're boasting in yourself, whether you admit it or not, that's, that's evil. And so our confidence doesn't come from our own ability. Our confidence doesn't come from our own achievement. Our confidence doesn't come from our drive or our desire or our determination. Our confidence does not come from ourselves. Our confidence comes from Jesus, and Jesus should be at the center of our confidence. How do we know that Jesus is the center of our confidence? How do we know that our confidence isn't somehow anchored in ourselves or our achievements? We can ask ourselves these questions. Do you ever find yourself trying to control and change things that are happening in your life? Not just normal living, but truly trying to manipulate people and situations to get the outcome that you want. And when things aren't going the way you want, where do you take your worry? Where do you take your anxiety? Do you take them to the person that's in control? Do you bring them to yourself and sit on them and let them fester? What do you find yourself talking about as you live life? Who do you find yourself talking about as you live life? And when things are good, when things are bad, who are you talking to? Who are you talking about? Who are you giving credit to 
in your life. Whatever you're talking about, whatever you're giving credit to, it's a pretty good indicator that that's where you get your confidence. The overflow of your mouth will quickly tell where your confidence comes from. And so Jesus should be at the center of our plans, and Jesus should be at the center of our confidence. Verse 17 ends by saying this, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And this verse is huge because this passage is, is working together and building in one direction and it's kind of giving us a warning that you can kind of do these first two things and yet you can completely screw this entire equation up. You can have Jesus at the center of your planning and your intentions and you can understand the right thing to do and you can theoretically know the godly thing to do and the expected thing to do and you can be motivated by Jesus to attempt something for him that he's put in your heart and you can know that that's the thing that God's calling you to do and you can completely negate everything that God is doing in your life and your heart with inaction. You can completely cancel out everything that God has been leading you to do by not acting. And often our inaction is rooted in fear or a lack of faith. Even when God's speaking to us, even when we're listening, even when it's clear, even when we're saying, yes, Lord, I know what you're calling me to do, and oh, I I feel it, I know it. When we don't act, we can kind of ruin everything. Because we tend to think that doing something wrong is sin. But James is telling us that sin is also not doing right. There are sins of commission or commission, maybe you've heard this, like when we choose to lie or, or gossip or, or steal, those are probably the obvious sins that we're like, oh yeah, I've done that one, yeah, it's a really bad thing. But there are also sins of omission, Like when the Holy Spirit tells us to share our faith at work and we chicken out, or when the Holy Spirit asks us to be generous in someone's life and we think, yeah, I don't really want to do that right now. I, I need that money for a future project I've got. If we're not careful, we can negate or, or essentially erase what God is doing in our mind and in our heart because we don't follow through. Jesus should be at the center of our actions. And that sounds so obvious. It sounds so simple. And yet if you know that you've been a Christ follower for a while, you know that that's not always the case. Sometimes right up until the moment we're supposed to act, we're like, yes, I know what God's leading me to do. Yes, I'm going to do that. Okay, I'm not going to do that. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus... Scripture tells us that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that God has given you a a part of himself to guide your thoughts and guide your mind and guide your living and you can walk in step with the Holy Spirit and you will feel and trust and know the Holy Spirit telling you how to live and how to act and how to speak. And yet sometimes we ignore what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. The things the Holy Spirit will tell you to do might be scary They might stretch you, but they will line up with Scripture. And so if you're wondering, how do I know the thing that I'm supposed to do is is from God, is from the Holy Spirit? We're told the fruit of the Spirit lead to, to things that will simply 
be put like this. People will be able to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life if you're being led by the Holy Spirit and you're acting on what the Holy Spirit has told you to do. And if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit and not putting Jesus at the center of your decision-making and your confidence and your actions, you may feel like this. You may end up feeling scared or threatened or angry or jealous or confused and unfulfilled. Jesus should be at the center of our plans. Jesus should be at the center of our confidence. And Jesus should be at the center of our actions. I think I've mentioned this story before in pieces, but when I was 17, I went on a a ministry trip and I met my wife, Kristen. That was just an added bonus, but the, the real bonus of that trip was for the first time, kind of some of the dots in my life connected, and I, I felt that God was calling me into full-time vocational ministry. And, and so I went home as a 17-year-old, and some people from my church had supported me, and I shared that with my home church. I said, I feel called to, to work in student ministry, and long-term, I feel called to, to plant a church. I just feel like that's what God has put in my heart, and, and so I shared that. I thought about doing some other things. I had thought about majoring in different things in college and future plans, but this was a moment in my life where I just felt like God was saying, hey, trust me with your future plans and, and we'll do this together. And so I went to college and after college, Kristen and I got married and went to seminary and then I took a job uh, doing student ministry here in Columbus and life was good. I had a couple degrees, and I'd studied biblical languages, and, and things were going pretty well, and I was working at a big church, and that season was good, and I felt like God was growing us and developing me as a leader and, and helping me work toward this long-term plan, and over, over time, you start to put down roots in the things you're doing, and things that aren't bad can become distractions, Things that are are good can be used to take your eyes off of what God is calling you to do. And I found myself starting to put down roots and not think about what God was calling me to long term. I started to be distracted by, by numbers and by relationships and by the opinions of others and by things that were being offered to me. And when I put Jesus at the center of my life, I felt called to act in obedience. But when I was putting my confidence in other things, I felt called to, to not do anything. And I'm not, I'm not saying that being a student pastor is a sin. We have one in the room. He's not living in sin. I want you to know that, right? We, we pay him money to do that. But, but if, if you know what God has called you to do and you're not doing it, this passage is pretty clear that you are living in sin. And so something that might not be a sin for someone else can be a sin for you if you're living in inaction. And so I was finally able to, to get real with what God was doing in my heart. And I realized that I had given God my plans and God was anchoring my confidence in him and God was calling us to action to plant Movement Church. And that was years ago and I don't mean to to highlight that story for any other reason other than to say when those three things combine, we've been given a front row seat and many of you have had the same front row seat to see what God has done. We've seen God transform people's lives and we've seen God restore marriages We've seen people make decisions to trust him. 
to be baptized. We've seen churches sent. We've seen people say, Lord, here's my future and here's my plans. Use them how you want. And it's been good because we were obedient. Here's our big idea for this morning. And really the the main point of this passage is just this. A life built on Jesus is marked by humble obedience. Humble obedience is, is not just saying, yes, Lord, for now. It's saying, Jesus, I will follow you no matter what. It's not a a one-time thing, but it's a a way that you'll have to check yourself over and over again. Jesus, am I being obedient in this season with what I have for what you're calling me to do? Is Jesus at the center of your plans? Is Jesus at the center of your confidence? Is Jesus at the center of your action? There are many, many people in this room, a lot of different life stages, a lot of different situations, And I don't want to pretend that I could understand the things that God is calling us to do. But I think that this passage is clear. When we anchor our mind and our heart in God, he's going to call us to action and we have to be quick to respond in humility. And so maybe God's calling you this morning to sell your house. I don't know. Maybe God's calling you to to start a business. Maybe God's calling you to leave your job or to, to stay at your job. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary. Maybe God's calling you to be our next church planner. Please come and talk to me after the service if that's the case, all right? Maybe, maybe God's calling you to be on that next church plant team and still work at the same place you do and just move 15 minutes up the road. Maybe you're supposed to ask someone out that God has brought into your life for a relationship, but you've been living in fear. Maybe you're supposed to pursue foster care. Because the last month has been like, hey, how many times do I have to say this? Maybe you're supposed to pursue adoption. Maybe you're supposed to try and start a family. Maybe you're supposed to start being generous in the way that you give. Maybe you're supposed to have the courage to stay in your marriage. Maybe you're supposed to finally start leading your family. Maybe God's calling you to just eliminate a distraction or an idol. Let's be a church that plans in God. Let's be a a group of people who finds our confidence in God and let's be a church that acts in obedience to what God has put in our hearts. Verse 15 talks about this mindset that says, if the Lord wants us to, if the Lord wills. And that phrase has echoed for centuries with believers through the New Testament church and followers of Jesus. And in Latin, this phrase has always been associated with this passage from the Bible that's just these two words, Dio Valente. Here's what Dio Valente means, is God calling you to do something specific in his will. Perhaps to give up something. If so, may we say Dio Valente, which means, Lord, I am willing Is God calling us to go somewhere and we're resisting? If so, may we say, Lord, I am willing. Perhaps he's calling us to accept a difficult responsibility. If so, may we say as a church and as a group of people, as individual believers, Dio Valente, Lord, I am willing. The spiritual logic here is inescapable. What is your life? This passage tells us, and it's offensive, but it's the truth. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But our destiny, our eternity is with God. And so our only response when he asks us to do something can be this. Dio Valente. Lord, I am willing. Let's pray together. 
God, we want to be willing to do whatever you have called us to do. May our heart cry in all of life, in every action, in every season, in every scenario, in every situation, just be a simple response. Lord, I am willing. God, as we anchor our lives in you, as we center our lives in you, may we make our plans in you. May we live with you as our confidence and may we be obedient. God, I don't know what you're calling us to do today or what you may be calling someone in the room to do today, Lord. But as we sing, help us to think through that. Help us to process that. Help us to pray through that and help us to respond in simple, humble obedience. Lord, let us be willing to follow you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.